On today's show, the Hawks get walloped in Memphis. Atlanta was very, very shorthanded in this game. The top five players on the roster unavailable on a back-to-back against a well-rested, very good team in Memphis, and the results were predictable as a result, although the Hawks were at least playing hard along the way. There was not a whole lot to be excited about from this one. There are some takeaways, though, from this contest and a big-picture look at what transpired coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1368 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. And thank you, as always, for joining us on the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. First-time users can have a 100% instant deposit match with PrizePix up to $100 when using the promo code Locked On. That is prizepix.com, promo code Locked On. And I also want to encourage you to make Locked On Hawks your first listen each and every day. Check us out across podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all those places, Odyssey, uh, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, as well as YouTube on the video side where you can watch this podcast right now as I am speaking to you. And today's show, we'll get into uh, what became a pretty lopsided loss for the Hawks, quite obviously. A 128-103 to defeat in Memphis. At the end of the show on Sunday evening, I talked about how this is a, basically an impossible spot for the Hawks situationally, as we'll get into in a moment. And then it actually got worse on Monday when the Hawks elected to uh, sit Bogdanovich for understandable reasons. And then both Clickapella and Trey Young were listed as questionable. And then neither one of them played at the end. So by the time this game tipped off, the Hawks were down their top five players in my estimation. And uh, that, of course, painted a doomy picture for this Hawks team. I will say Memphis was also shorthanded, not quite as much as the Hawks, and they are much more deep than the Hawks are at this point. So uh, if you wanted to have a big, big, big sort of big picture takeaway from this one, it would certainly be that the Hawks don't have a lot of depth on this roster. It's something I've been banging the drum about since the summer, quite honestly, when the Hawks very obviously were trying to stay under the luxury tax by signing minimums and signing a second round pick to the roster and uh, you know, kind of working around the margins, leaving the roster spot open, etc. And uh, this is one of those nights where I'm not saying the Hawks would have won by any means, but it would have been more competitive on a lot of, on a lot of, for a lot of other teams because they have more depth than the Hawks do and the Hawks were not competitive in this game. So we'll get into what transpired here, but sort of the big picture is coming in to the night. The, the situation was untenable for the Hawks. Even if they had been healthy in this one, or at least healthy-ish, they still would have been a big underdog because of the situational spot. Um, I thought about it a lot on yesterday's show, but basically the Grizzlies have been home for quite some time. This is their fourth game of a homestand. They had two days off. They had not played since Friday. So a, already a huge advantage there. Then you throw in the fact the Hawks had to go to overtime on Sunday, then fly to Memphis overnight. And then uh, before all the injuries, even a tough spot on the back-to-back. And you throw in all the injuries. And Memphis is really good. Uh, they were shorthanded, but they've won five games in a row coming in. Now six games in a row with this victory. Uh, this is a team that was the you know top two seed last year in the Western Conference. They are quite good, even, even if they are not at full strength either. Um, by the way, before the game actually started, Trey Young got fined by the NBA. $25,000 for, quote, throwing the game ball into the spectator stands, end quote, on Sunday. Apparently it happened at the end of overtime. I missed that entirely. And uh, by the way, Trey sent a tweet out that I will not spoil, but I encourage you to go look at that. Trey was not very happy with the fine and was baffled by that. I'm actually on his side on, his side on that one. But uh, anyway, Trey and Clint Capella were listed as questionable. Um, I kind of 
talked about this a little bit at the end of the show last night, but Nate McMillan pretty openly talked about how guys were banged up at the end of the game on Sunday. And I kind of thought that Bogdanovich was probably a likely guy to sit in this one. Ended up being beyond that. Uh, Trey's listed as questionable with low back tightness. And Capello's listed as questionable with left Achilles soreness. Both guys were uh, you know, at least not ruled out until close to game time. Trey was ruled out by Nate in pregame. And the Capella, uh, about 35, 40 minutes before tip-off, was ruled out of the game. Joining Madonovich, Collins, and Murray. So again, the top five players, in my estimation. I know people kind of, I said that on Twitter, people kind of argue with me about you know whether it's Hunter or Griffin or whatever. But I think it's pretty clear when healthy, this is the top five of the Hawks. And they were all unavailable in this game. Um, Memphis wasn't healthy either, but they were healthier. Uh, John Morant missed this game. That's obviously a huge loss for the Grizzlies. But they, do, they do have Tyus Jones, who's very capable of backing up. He's basically a starting caliber point guard. Uh, Desmond Bain is still out for the Grizzlies, and Steve Adams as well. So three of their top six or seven guys were out, including you know two of their top three, but still uh, not, quite, not, not quite the same situation roster-wise. In fact, the Hawks were nine-and-a-half-point underdogs, according to our friends at Ben Online, in this game. And it's pretty crazy uh, that Memphis, without John Morant, Desmond Bain and Steven Adams would ever be a nine and a half point favorite in a game, which kind of tells you how bad the roster, the roster was for the Hawks in this game. And that's not to say that I'm picking on any individual player. I want to be very clear about that. A lot of guys were overextended in this game. It's not, it's not, it's not their fault necessarily, but it's one of those things where if you just take the top five players off of a normal roster, it gets pretty dire. It's even worse for the Hawks. They are more top heavy than a lot of teams are. And that was very evident in this game. So the Hawks ended up starting Trent Forrest, AJ Griffin, DeAndre Hunter, Jalen Johnson, and the Kongwu. I was kind of surprised that Hunter played, to be honest. He wasn't on the, on the injury report, but once you are pulling the, the plug on the, on the top five guys, Hunter on a back-to-back coming off of the injury when he was limited minutes-wise on Sunday, I think he was going to be limited again in this game, too. He, he didn't have to be because of the margin in the fourth quarter, but I, I thought that he would at least be listed as questionable or something like that. Ended up playing. He took a lot of shots. We'll come back to that later on. But they went bigger than previous matchups. They basically only had Forrest and Aaron Holiday as like point guard size players available in this game. But uh, needless to say... The Hawks are built entirely on offense around the prospect of having both Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. In this game, they had neither. And this is the first time that's happened. So in games that Murray's missed, Trey's been around, um, et cetera. So it's it's one of those things where like the Hawks basically do not have an offensive initiator when Trey and DeJounte are both unavailable for a full game in particular. They have guys who have played point guard in the past in Aaron and Trent Forrest. They have uh, a point forward potential guy in Jalen Johnson. They have wings like Hunter and Griffin who at least have the ball in their hands sometimes, but nobody's an initiator out of that entire team. Um, anyway, both teams are actually very hot early on in this game. In fact, the first six shots of the game um, total went in, went in through the basket. And there were 14 points in the first 90 seconds of the game. Uh, the Hawks were uh, the first team to blink, though. They missed, they missed actually five shots in a row after making their first four. Uh, Hunter missed four shots in a pretty short period of time. And one of those shots actually was a goaltend that was missed by the officials. And Nate McMillan was very unhappy about that. But Memphis was just red hot out of the gate. They made their first nine shots, absurd shot making for three-point range. They had an 11-2 run in there to go up, by, go up by nine points. They didn't miss a shot for five and a half minutes. So that's tough to overcome, especially when you're already shorthanded like the Hawks were. But still, the Hawks actually um, were scoring at a pretty good clip early on in this game. That, 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 that did change later on. It definitely slowed down. But when you give up 25 points in the first six minutes of the game, which is what happened, they were already fighting an uphill battle throughout. Um, they actually made some threes early on. Jalen Johnson made his first two three-point attempts after being 7 of 36 for the season coming in. Uh, unfortunately, he missed his last three, so his numbers are kind of more like back, back to where they were, but that was at least notable to me. Um, rotationally, no huge surprises. The guys who were actually in the rotation during the competitive portion of the game 
um, in addition to the starters, were Aaron Holiday, Justin Holiday, Jarrett Culver, and Frank Kaminsky. And then they went to Tyrese Martin and Vic Krejci when the game was all but over in the second half. And everybody that was active ended up playing, as you might expect, in a 30-point blowout. The Hawks, though, did have one big run in this game. It was a 12-0 run mid-quarter in the first. Uh, AJ had seven points in a row at one point, had 12 points in the first quarter. Uh, he had a good good start to the game. Definitely cooled off a lot. In fact, finished the game with 13 points. Only had one point in the last three quarters. Um, Joe Johnson had a nice finish lob um, after, off a pass by Griffin through contact. Um, and after the insane start, Memphis did cool off. They missed they missed a bunch of shots. They actually didn't score for like three and a half minutes. But then once Memphis kind of reasserted itself, it was basically over from there. It was an 8-0 run by the Grizzlies that closed the first quarter. And it was up and down throughout, basically runs on all sides. But the Hawks were down by six at the end of the first quarter. And the offense was solid. They scored 29 points on 26 possessions. They didn't shoot well from two-point range the entire game. But the first quarter, they made four of nine from three, including that actually included a miss at the very end. It was four of eight until the final, like, 10 seconds. And they had nine assists in the first quarter. Trent forced four assists by himself. Defensively, they got blown up a little bit, obviously. Memphis had six threes in the first quarter. The Hawks did four, four six turnovers, and they were uh, in the game, let's say. Obviously, that did not stick long-term, but I thought the Hawks always showed some signs, and um, the energy level was generally good. I want to be at least positive on that front and say that the Hawks did play hard throughout this game. That was definitely the case early on, although Nate McMillan, I think, correctly noted that Memphis was just bigger, faster, stronger, and uh, more dialed in, which is all probably true in this spot. All right, we'll dive into the second uh, half plus the second quarter, basically the last three quarters of this game, and then we'll get into the individual player breakdowns later on in the show. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. If you're looking for a DFS option this year in the sports world, the warm winning app of Prize Picks is the way to go. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know that you will too. It's so very easy to use over at Prize Picks. I can vouch for that. I've been playing there for quite some time. I really enjoy the daily grind. I'm going through all the numbers at Prize Picks. All you have to do is pick two to six players and choose what will actually have more or less than a certain number of points, rebounds, assists, or any other stat you're looking for. And if Prize Picks went up 25 times, yes, 25 times your money on any entry is against you against the projected numbers. It's just that simple. And they have other sports across the board, but beyond basketball, they have WNBA and college basketball and NFL and college football, MLB, NHL, PGA, soccer, esports, NASCAR, tennis, boxing, MMA, and much more. And an entire entry be done in a minute or less. It's that easy and that quick. And they have safe and fast withdrawal with the price picks. They're operating in more than 30 states, including Georgia. And they're also in Canada. Download the price picks app right now. Or go to pricepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can also have a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. Do not forget to use that promo code locked on at sign up for the instant deposit match up to $100. Check it out now at price picks. All right, so the second quarter, not necessarily uh, a whole lot of fun for the Hawks. It wasn't as bad as the third, though. We'll get to the third in a second. Second quarter was, was probably the most sloggy of the entire game. Even, you know, the fourth quarter was all garbage time, but as far as the competitive portion, I'll be kind about this, but the Hawks played a lineup to start the second quarter that I think is basically not NBA quality in terms of rotation. And I think, again, we all know why on some level, and it's because the Hawks had five guys out. But Nate didn't really try to stagger those guys, the starters or at least the starter-ish guys that they had available together. And they played a lineup that included both Holidays, Culver, and Kaminsky together in the second quarter, along with the, along with Hunter. Um, that's just not going to work. And it's not anybody's fault individually. It's just what it is. But those guys are not – there's no creator there. Um, there's no shot-making there really at all other than even Hunter is not like the best, best shot-maker in the world. He took a lot of shots with that group, as he probably should have. But at one point – from the end of the first quarter to the start of the second quarter, the Hawks missed 11 consecutive shots, and the Grizzlies scored 14 consecutive points. Jaron Jackson had six blocks in his first 11 minutes of play 
for Memphis in this game. That's pretty crazy. Um, it did steady a little bit once Griffin and Johnson and Okongwu came back in the game. Those were you know, three of their better players in this spot. But they started to tr- turn the ball over even more. In fact, the Hawks had one turnover in the first quarter and then 15 after that. That's not going to get it done when you're playing as shorthanded as they were. Okongwu actually had a great possession, I thought, and I always wanted to point out, where he was flying on the offensive glass. He actually had a lot of rebounds in this game on the offensive side of the floor. Uh, usually better on offensive defense on, on the glass for him. But he had uh, one where... He had two rebounds plus a tip and a flying layup on the same possession. So he was uh, definitely getting a little bit of juice there on offense. But he got away from the Hawks um, probably for the last time, to be honest, late in the first quarter. Uh, sorry, late in the first half when they were only down by seven. They were kind of in the game still after the initial you know drought at the end of the first quarter and in the second quarter. But Memphis scored 10 straight points to go up by 17. That was the largest margin of the game at that point in time. And the Hawks missed three trade shots. They had three turnovers in a short period of time, and it was kind of blown open. It wasn't over there because the Hawks did, did get back to uh, down 11 at the end of the half. So it wasn't as bad as you might think it was, but the offense had nine turnovers in the second quarter. That's kind of untenable in a lot of ways. And then defensively, they allowed 64% shooting from two-point range and nine of 18 from three in the first half. The third quarter was the mess of a quarter, and honestly, it was just kind of all at once. There were a couple of good, like, hustle moments early in the first quarter, sorry, in the the third quarter in this game, but the middle of the quarter did not go well. It was a 27 to 10 extended run by the Grizzlies. The Hawks went from down 14 to down 31 in about five minutes or so. And uh, obviously that ended the game in a lot of ways. Memphis was just shooting them all well, and the Hawks were basically having no answers. Um, This is a reminder that Capella is not a single defense to himself, but he certainly is the biggest part of their defense. He was missed in a big way in this game, uh, especially when Kong was off the floor, but even when Kong was on the floor. Um, the Grizzlies had a 135 offensive rating through three quarters of this game, and the Hawks were scoring less than a point per possession. That will tell you how you're down by 29, 30 points at the end of the third quarter. And the Hawks basically had nothing going on offense other than second chance points. The fourth quarter was essentially all garbage time. There was never even like a fake run by the Hawks. They opened up with Tyrese Martin at the end, in the fourth quarter after he didn't play at all. Vic Krejci was playing a little bit. The Hawks didn't make five threes in the fourth to make their numbers look a little bit better from there. But even then, if you watched, um, it was Frank Kaminsky making three of them, and he was pretty shaky the rest of the game. Justin Holiday made two threes after I think he missed his first four or five shots in a row. Um, none of those shots were of any importance really at all. There was one nice highlight block by Kongwu on Jaron Johnson. Uh, sorry, Jaron Jackson. That was actually pretty impressive, but uh, that was kind of it with regard to uh, the nuts and bolts of that fourth quarter. And again, it was extended garbage time. Tyrese Martin was one of seven from the floor in that quarter. He was hoisting them, played the entire quarter. And uh, yeah, we'll leave it there for now. Uh, As far as the numbers go in this one, I don't have to tell anybody anything that they don't already know, but the offense was pretty shaky. The only thing that was positive offensively in this game was the glass. Um, Okongwu was the biggest part of it, was set offensive rebounds, but the Hawks had 20 offensive rebounds. That's actually pretty impressive against a team in Memphis that's pretty big. Now, no Adams definitely makes them more vulnerable on the glass, but the Hawks did work hard. They were crashing, and I think that was a good decision by the coaching staff or whatever to emphasize that as well, because that was one of their chances to actually make this game competitive. Unfortunately, they couldn't make shots, and they couldn't take care of the ball. So they shot 37% from two in this game. Uh, part of that is getting 12 shots blocked. That's going to mess up your, your uh, ratios a lot there. But uh, even then, they didn't shoot well around the rim. 12-37 from three is not horrible, but it's not good either. Uh, only 11 assists in the last three quarters after nine in the first quarter. And then 16, 16 turnovers leading directly to 27 points by the Grizzlies. So uh, the unsurprisingly, the offensive talent for the Hawks was really not there. Aside from A.J. Griffin um, and obviously a little bit of a Kongwu and Hunter, 
those are really the only three guys who were active in this game for the Hawks that are like definitely even average offensive players in the NBA. Um, you could say that Jalen Johnson, I think, will probably get there at some point. He's not quite there yet. I don't think overall Trent Forrest, more of a defensive player, obviously, um, you know, Kaminsky, the holidays, Culver, Martin, Krejci, like the Hawks just don't have a lot of offensive talent available in this game. And that was very much on display uh, defensively. They allowed a 127 defensive rating. As I mentioned before, it was 135 through three quarters. That's probably more indicative of how bad it was, honestly. But the Grizzlies shot 60% from the floor and 13 to 32 from three. They had 72 points in the paint. It was a layup line throughout this one. Uh, Akongwu uh, did his best, but he was kind of on an island by himself. Basically, the Hawks played a lot of the game with small ball, a lot of the game with Kaminsky, uh, etc. They're kind of drawing dead there and stopping penetration outside of when Forrest and Holiday were at least trying to be more engaged. They did force 23 turnovers. The Grizzlies were kicking the ball around the yard quite a bit. Dylan Brooks did his Dylan Brooks stuff with a lot of turnovers. Kenny Chandler was a rookie point guard, turned the ball over four times as well. But the Hawks just had no answers defensively. And uh, yeah, part of that's talent, part of that's execution, part of that's just like the ball rolling down, rolling down the hill in a lot of ways. But it was uh, quite rough, let's just say in this game. And uh, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of where I'll leave it for now. We'll have more uh, individual breakdown, breakdown stuff and my, my kind of final thoughts on the end of the bench and all that stuff in a second. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. The NBA season is rocking and rolling here in mid-December. Plenty of football stuff as well. Hockey, soccer, big-time soccer stuff happening right now in the sports world. Other action going on as well. That includes upcoming World Cup semifinals and the finals this week, which are huge matchups to follow. BetOnline is the number one source for all the wagering information you're looking for. That includes stats and news and analysis this season. Get the latest odds and trends for every pro and college league out there at BetOnline. That includes football and basketball and soccer and esports, as well as golf and tennis, auto racing, horse racing, entertainment bets, and much more. And BetOnline is also very useful for Hawks gauging, basically. Nightly odds, game totals, money lines, etc., plus futures markets on the championship odds, conference title odds, individual award odds, and much more. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your sports betting fix. And if you love sports podcasts as well, they have those available at BetOnline as well. Check out BetOnline right now on your mobile device or computer to learn more about all the trends and the action in the sports world. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so the individual player breakdowns will be brief in this one for the most part. Um, essentially, everyone that was active played, all 11 guys. Um, that was predictable and in probably the way it should have gone down the stretch. Uh, Tyrese Martin played the least. He played 12 minutes by the entire fourth quarter, two points on seven shots. He did not look good to me, but obviously... There's some uh, caveats there. He's not played an NBA game in a while. He's been back and forth in G League. He was at, I was glad he was I was glad he was there honestly because he had been in G League a lot recently. But Martin just came out firing as he probably should have. Just didn't make shots in that in that segment. Had no assist or rebounds as, as well. Uh, Vic Krejci had a couple of shaky moments. Had one nice floater that I thought at least I should note had a, had a steal as well. But um, it's kind of a kind of the same thing, different day for Vic Krejci. He's not quite ready to contribute, although the raw talent is fairly intriguing. Jarrett Culver was um, not not fantastic in this one offensively. Three of nine from the floor, 0 of two from three. Did have a, an assist and four rebounds, minus 13 in his 13 minutes and seven points for Culver playing that small ball four role. Aaron Holiday, um, to his credit, made some stuff happen. Had four steals, had six assists, um, hit a three, uh, but he was only four of nine on twos, one of four on threes. Um, he has made. He actually has shot the ball well from three point range this, this year. At 15 points, actually number two on the team, quietly for Aaron. But uh, he was overstretched, but certainly did not play all that poorly. I didn't think Justin Holiday made two threes late to kind of mask what it was a pretty shaky start from him. He's not been playing well at all. I know I've been uh, a little bit higher on him than most, but he's not been playing well for quite some time now as he's been in and out of rotation. And then Frank Kaminsky. At 13 points, that's true. Uh, he had three threes in the fourth quarter, all of which were not necessarily relevant 
I think it was pretty obvious if you watched the, if you watched this game that Frank was not a big positive. In fact, he was a pretty big negative. I thought it's uh, a reminder that he's not uh, up to the task right now of backup center play, even uh, as a backup, much less playing a lot of minutes like he, like he had to in this game. Um, he was not alone, as we'll get we'll get back into this in a second. But generally speaking, the uh, end of the bench was rough. Uh, Forrest didn't have his best game. He did have two steals and four assists, but uh, two of nine from the floor, uh, all on twos. So he just missed a bunch of floaters and got, got a couple shots blocked. Um, Jalen Johnson had some nice flashes in this one. 14 points, nine rebounds, had three assists and a steal. But uh, after he made the two, the, the two early threes, it was a little bit cold. And there's just moments when Jalen looks like a rookie still because he just has these moments where he's not quite sure of himself, a little bit hesitant. Um, when he has it like really dialed up and like is playing aggressively, things usually go better. He'll still make mistakes on that level, but I, I like to see him kind of lean in that direction versus passivity. But he had some, he had some moments. He wasn't good, but he had some moments in this game. DeAndre Hunter uh, led the team with 19 points, but had 16 shots in 21 minutes. One rebound, and it was offensive, zero assists, one steal. It was a very DeAndre Hunter game, three turnovers. I don't think he was particularly good. He just led the team in scoring because he took a lot of shots. Um, and obviously, it's not really fair to him. Like, he's not – he should not be your number one option. And he honestly was playing as the number one option on the second unit, especially um, it was him versus him, – him or AJ, basically, on the first unit. So uh, that's a reminder that he's not quite ready for that role either. Griffin had the good first quarter and then did not do much after that. 13 points on – 12 shots, three rebounds, assists, and a steal. And then Kong Wu uh, just actually didn't, couldn't finish around the rim. Had, actually, I think he had three shots blocked, six points, 10, 10 rebounds, but seven of those offensive had two steals and a block. Um, he was overstretched too in this one. So that's kind of the theme of the, of the day. And it's going to be a short podcast for sure. But the one thing I, I do want to say at the end of the show is basically this is what happens on some level when you do not build your roster with depth in mind. And I don't want to make it a crazy thing where I'm doing this all the time. I don't, I've been talking about this since the summer, and I know that I was kind of early on this. I think probably correctly so. But the Hawks and their luxury tax avoidance and their roster construction have kind of led to the, to the point where they can't really lean on more than eight or nine guys at any given, any given time. So just one by one here quickly. Um, let's just say the Hawks – Started a two-way guy in this game in Trent Forrest. And I think the two that was a really good signing for a two-way. I love that signing, but you're still starting a two-way. Yes, you had yes, you had five guys out, but your two-way is you're supposed to be 15 and 16. And Trent Forrest is like their ninth guy right now, or tenth guy right now. Uh Jared Culver, same thing, two-way guy, no concerns there. But Tyrese Martin's on a full contract pretty much exclusively because he's making less than the less than the minimum minimum. Obviously, they drafted him, but he would normally be on a two-way. A guy drafted in the 50s, often on a two-way. That would have been the case here, but they saved some money there. Vic Krejci is making a non-guaranteed minimum as part of the trade that happened um, pre-actually pre the season starting. And I think he's around in part because he's really cheap. Um, Aaron Holiday, aside for the minimum. Uh, Justin Holiday, in the, obviously in the Kevin Herter trade, he was acquired as salary matching in that deal, but he, is, he was cheaper than Kevin Herter. Frank Kaminsky, aside for the minimum. The Hawks have an open roster spot, um, which they don't necessarily have to have, but uh, they, don't have, they don't want to spend that money because they want to go under the luxury tax. Etc. 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 That doesn't even get into the herder trade itself, or not trying to bring back the one right, etc. So anyway, when you look at the roster, like I'm not trying to pick on guys individually, but there are multiple guys on this team that are not really playable in the NBA right now. I think Tyrese Martin is not quite there yet. Vic Krejci not quite there yet. Those guys might be playing on on teams that have real depth. Even Culver, who's done a good job for the Hawks, is probably not a guy that you want to be counting on at this point. Aaron Holiday is more of a fifth guard. On this team, he's like their third or fourth guard sometimes. Trent Forrest, same thing. Um, Kaminsky is not really a backup center at this point in time. So Justin Holiday has been pretty rough this year as their fourth, as their fourth, fifth wing, something like that. So 
it's not about individual like picking on guys, but it is just a reminder. Like this team does not have a lot of depth. Um, this is kind of the same thing as the shooting, uh, as the shooting focus that I had over the summer when I was banging the drum, the Hawks did not have enough shooting on the roster. And that has basically proven out to be true so far. Now, is it as bad now that bogey is back? No. And I said that as well, like as soon as bogey's back and you pair Griffin and bogey together, that helps a lot, but the Hawks still don't have a ton of shooting on this roster. Same thing with the depth. So, I don't want to make too much of it. This is one of those games that like if the choices are overreact or react not at all, I would lean you towards not reacting at all. This is a game where the Hawks were comically shorthanded in a comically bad spot situationally and they got killed. And that's what happens. It is what it is. But if you want to actually have like a real conversation, it's be- part of the reason why they got beaten so badly is that the Hawks have not invested really at all in their at the end of their bench. They went into the season basically with eight or nine guys they trusted and that's kind of what they have now. Um, and even then, like the ninth guy is probably Jalen Johnson, and he was not proven at all coming into the season. He was a first-round pick, but still not a guy who had been really proven anything. And then after that, you get into your holidays and your the two-way guys and Culver and uh, and Martin and Krejci, et cetera. So it's a little bit rough. People have kind of asked me during the game about like what they do with the deadline. They got to sure up the depth. And unfortunately, I think the takeaway is that if it involves them going into the luxury tax, they're not going to do it. And they're so close to the tax line now that with incentives for Murray and Capella, they're going to be careful with that. And that's why still here in mid-December, amid injuries, the Hawks have an open roster spot. It's because it's not because they don't want to improve the team. It's because they don't want to go over the tax line. And there you go. All right. That's it for me on this particular episode, talking about this game. One brief note, the Hawks play again on Wednesday in Orlando. I was actually at the game the last time that they were in Orlando. That's the game that John Collins got hurt in uh, about two weeks ago. Uh, I'm not going to be there this time. I'll be covering the game as always, but um, that's the next game on the agenda. I will say the Hawks do have a very friendly schedule coming up. And I said that on Twitter the other day and people got mad at me for just kind of pointing out. I'm not saying they're going to win all these games, but I'll just read you the schedule for the next six. At Orlando on Wednesday, Orlando is not good. At Charlotte on Friday, Charlotte is not good. At uh, home for Orlando next Monday, Orlando again, same team, not good. Wednesday, Next Wednesday, the 21st, is Chicago at home. I know they just had a tough game against Chicago at home on Sunday, but that's a team that's certainly not like uh, intimidating, let's say. The Hawks are, I think, better than the Bulls, and you're playing at home in that game. Then they have the Pistons at home on the 23rd before Christmas. Uh, the Pistons are now without Kate Cunningham for the season. They're a bad basketball team. So that is the next five. And then after Christmas, the first game on the road on the 27th is at Indiana. And that's game. Indiana actually, they've been playing pretty well this year, the Pacers do. But still, that's not a game that's like terribly difficult. So in the next five, six games, the Hawks should be favored in a lot of these games, provided that there's like some reasonable monicum of health. You might get Collins back in the near future. Murray, I'm sure, isn't too, too far away. I think I would expect Trey, Trey and or Capella to play on Wednesday in Orlando. So it'll be more like normal in the near future. Bogey, I, I don't think is hurt right now. I think he just, he had, they want to give him the day off after extending him probably too far in two of two games over three days. So I'm not trying to paint a, a, a too optimistic picture at this point because the Hawks have been pretty rough at times, but uh, I think that the game on Sunday is more indicative of what you will be seeing from the Hawks than the game on Monday. And uh, that's something to hold on to as they hit the road and uh, take on Orlando and Charlotte this week. All right, that's probably going to be it for me until after the game on Wednesday. I'm doing some travel this week, so probably only four episodes. Uh, this will be the second one they roasted to right now, and then the third one after the game against Orlando, and the fourth one after the game against Charlotte. But uh, if anything breaks, I always promise you that I will get back to you as fast as possible on the podcast. Please check out my written work if you'd like to at patreon.com slash btroland. Also, you can follow this podcast on Twitter at Lots on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at btroland. Please subscribe to the podcast across platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, 
all those places, all to see. And then we're also on YouTube. I do appreciate all the support, everyone. If you made it to the end of this podcast, congratulations. You're definitely a diehard fan. And uh, we'll see you all later on this week.